Howdy, Ags. Welcome to Aggie Growth Hacks, the podcast sponsored by the McFerrin Center for Entrepreneurship at Texas A&M that is dedicated to helping entrepreneurs improve their business, connect with other Aggie entrepreneurs, and support one another. I'm your host, Greg Martin, Fighting Texas Aggie Class 2001. And I'm your co-host, Chris Hunter, Fighting Texas Aggie Class of 1998. Whoop. We got a little story for you, Ags. Brett Richards, Fighting Texas Aggie Class of 2001, the best ever Fighting Texas Aggie Class, is a man that wears many hats. While he is a partner of an Aggie 100 winning Coleman and Patterson real estate firm, Brett is most known around Aggieland as the go-to auctioneer. Brett is a man that is uniquely gifted in making connections, raising money for good causes, and ensuring that everyone is having a good time while doing it. He's also a diehard Rangers fan, so you know he is ecstatic about how this year's fall classic played out. So pass it back and listen up to Brett as he shares some good bull. Welcome back, Ags. Super excited for today's episode. We have got one of my best friends in Aggieland. I first met Brett. It was it was probably four or five years ago. Mm-hmm. But Ags, if you have been to any charity function <laughs> at all in the Brazos Valley, you know this guy. Brett, thank you so much for you joining bet. us. Thank you for your passion for entrepreneurship. Thank you for your willingness to make our communities a better place. Yeah, it's a great place to live for sure. So we'll We'll leave it better than we found it. A hundred percent. That's what we do. And you definitely are a man that that is passionate about all the great causes here in Aggieland and and you help through through your auction business and everything. Mm -hmm. So, but that's just one part of your entrepreneurship. That's just one one part of it. So tell us about your entrepreneur journey. Well, um, you know, it's funny. It's interesting, like a, a, I feels like 360 for me because like when I first got in the auction business, in the Dallas area, I came to school here, went to, you know, moved to Dallas, got in the real estate and auction business. And about one or two years into it, you know, somebody asked me to speak on an entrepreneur, you know, panel at like a high school. I'm like, well, I'm not really the entrepreneur per se. You know, I'm kind of one of the guys in the business. I mean, it's been a 20 year career that now it just kind of morphed into that. So, you know, I don't know that I set out to say, hey, I'm going to start my own business or be my own, you know, boss or that sort of thing. It just kind of found me. So it was unique, but I started out uh, in the real estate and auction business with a company called Hudson and Marshall uh, in Dallas, Texas. And back during the, the foreclosure crisis and the credit crunch, what we did was fly around the country and sold bank owned assets, you know, 2003 wow. like the courthouse steps. No, actually we sold the, the actual, they call it REO or ORE, depending on what state you're in, uh, real estate owned. So what happens is that the courthouse steps is they have a Benny bid or beneficiary bid, and that's the bank's, whatever their number was, hey, you owe us X amount. Depending on the state, depending on the circumstances, they would pick a different you know percentage that would be the Benny, the Benny bid. And then anything, if someone bid over that, great. You've got it, You know, sure. go handle it. It's your property now with any other liens, any other taxes, anything. If they didn't, it would go and revert back to the bank. Um, Freddie Mac, Fannie Mae, Wells Fargo, Bank of America, Premier Asset Services, FDIC, so on and so forth. And that's who our clients were, right? So then we would go, we would then offer those to the public in like a Marriott ballroom or standing on in front of the property, you know, if you will. In 2003, we offered 2,300 houses at auction in the country. And by 2009, 2010, it was 60,000. What? So wow. we were, I'm actually licensed as a broker and an auctioneer in like 15 states. Wow. So I can speak multiple different languages so long as all of those states are in America. Yeah. Yeah. International. It's an international market. You understand? Yeah. Well, we're outside of Texas, yeah. right? This is our, we are our own country. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so that's where I got my start. Um, and then over the years, you know, as that business changed, uh, more opportunities arose in, you know, some benefit auctions or going here and there. Um, 
I am primarily an auctioneer, first and foremost. That's what I am. A few years ago, 2013, Coleman and Patterson, David Coleman, Tom Patterson, my business partners, they were working with us in the auctions, you know, up there. And then they decided to come home. They had their kids were becoming of an age that they didn't want to leave as much. I mean, it's a travel job, right? The, yeah. I think 2010 or 2009, I was on the road 252 nights wow. in a hotel. And so they were not wanting to do that as much. They came home to Texas, kind of recreated the business on a smaller scale invited me in then, but it wasn't the right opportunity. Uh, We were still growing the business in Dallas and ultimately a few years later, those things changed the business model and and for Hudson and Marshall, uh, we had a merger and then a sale. I'm still involved with it today. I'm actually still a broker of record for them in a lot of states. So that's one piece of my pie. But we came home and, and you know, Coleman and Patterson gave me an opportunity to get back in with them. So now we're in the auction business. We're in the real estate business. We're in a little bit of the property management business. Uh, but first and foremost, real estate and auctions. So that's a little bit of where I'm at today. I don't know if I got the whole, it's a, it's a long story. I don't oh, know how, the, how long is this, this podcast? This, this, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry, we, we can break it up into five episodes. Yeah, we've got, it's a mini series. This is yeah. not a Joe Rogan seven hour no, marathon, but. It's like Lonesome no, Dove. Okay, so let me, let me ask. So you say you're primarily an auctioneer. That's it. I, I mean, did you have a passion for fast talking when you were when you were younger what what got you into auctioneering david uh, my business partner you know i was i was on the rodeo team at texas a&m him and i were on the rodeo team together i grew up in 4-h and ffa public speaking showing animals rodeoing you know rodeo at the collegiate level and did not know what i wanted to really do with my life i you know my dad was a ranch manager and a teacher my mom's a teacher my wife's a teacher. My sister-in-law's a teacher. I'm not going to be a teacher, right? It's not my thing. You know, I was an ag business major, president of the rodeo club, college of ag and life sciences networker. You know, I'm yep. a people person for, you know, for the most part, I think you'll agree Shocker. with that. <laughs> Shocker. Uh, I actually prefer, um, I enjoy one-on-one and, you know, that sort of thing. But I actually, I like being in front of a room when I'm in control. It's like, you know, it's like my Rangers, you know, you know, Evaldi wants the ball. You know, that's what he says. He wants the ball. And so, I, I enjoy that. That's something. That, but David's like, man, you might enjoy doing this. He grew up in the auction business. That you know, his he is a family of auctioneers, okay. and so he encouraged me to do that. And and I think it married up perfectly that business with my personality of of really enjoying you know the public speaking aspect because I think you have to have a lot of that. You know, not just the fast talking. I mean, you can hear me right now. I'm from East Texas, man. You know, I don't talk that fast really unless I've got a microphone in my hand, not this one. In front That's of my right. Face. Yeah. So. And how do you learn how to do that? I mean, like, did, did David take you aside and say, okay, this is how you, you, you should do this? Or? No, you go to auction school, man. Okay. You go to auction school. So I was sitting right over here on Lankford Street. Um, I was a... I was getting a master's of agriculture uh, because I had a year of eligibility left for rodeo. Didn't know what I wanted to do. Thought I was going to get like the master's of ag business. And for the first time in my life, I got a rejection letter, not the last. Yeah. Uh, but the first time they said, hey, you're you're not in this program. And I had to scramble. I had no plans. Ooh. And so um, found a spot in the ag development, you know, college of ag and was getting a leadership development degree, master's of agriculture and leadership development. And he encouraged me to say, Hey, you might look at auctioneering. And I was like, all right, that sounds pretty good. So I, I go, you know, dial up internet, you know, back yeah. in 2000 and yep. it was 2002, October of 2002, actually. And so they had a class in Missouri, the Missouri auction school. And it started on Saturday. I'm sitting there with my buddies. Um, one of which is now an auction auctioneer in the business with me as well. I'm one of my college roommates. And so we're sitting there and I call them up and I say, Hey, it, sh- it shows online that you have a class starting on Saturday. This is Thursday night. Can I still get in the class? And they said, yeah, but you're going to be like way behind because we gave you this book and this, t- these, these, 
drills to, to learn and be ready to go. I was like, I'm not worried about that. Can I get in? I got yeah. it. I got it. <laughs> and they said, yes, you can. So I hang up the phone. I take a quarter out. And I said, if this quarter hits heads, I'm going to Kansas City. And this is Thursday <laughs> night. So I got to get in the truck like that day. Right. So I flip it. It's about, you know, five o'clock at night. It hits heads. I call my girlfriend, now wife. And I say, hey, I'm fixing to leave and go to Kansas City to go to auction school. She's like, what? I was like, I'm packing the bag right now. If you want to see me, come over. And so I did. And I drove five hours north of Dallas, stayed with a friend of mine that was on the rodeo team with me and just graduated, got up the rest of the way, went to auction school, 105 people in there. So four hours, the first four hours every day, you learn number drills, one, 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 a quarter, one, a quarter, one, a half. You learn tongue twisters like Tommy Atatomus took two T's and tied them on top of two tall trees. And you just, <laughs> yeah. you know, you do these things over and over again. I'll give you, you want the big yeah. one? I'll yeah. give you the big one if yeah. you want the big yeah. one. We want to hear it. All right. So you got your, you know, your rough and rugged rock, you know, around the rough and rugged rock the ragged rascal ran your Tommy Atatomus took two T's tied him on top of two tall trees and then you get into the big boy Betty Botter so this is a little lady here uh-huh. south of town you know so Betty Botter bought some butter but she said this butter's bitter if I put it in my batter it'll make my batter bitter so she bought a bitter butter put it in a bitter batter made her bitter batter better so does better Betty Botter bought a bitter butter butter <laughs> <laughs> that's the that's the final Holy right you have, to, you, have, the final. you have to you have to you have to give them that one on the final so and they teach you like you know, an auctioneer's chant is, is nothing. I'm saying words. People don't think that I'm saying where I'm saying words, you know, they're just like, ten. it's not, that's not it. It's, it's, I'm a $1 bidder now two, now two, would you give me two? I'm a $2 bidder now three, now three, would you give me three? I'm a $300 bidder now four. I'm a $4 million bidder now beer. five. Yeah. I, thought, I thought it was beer. It was beer. Yeah. <laughs> hey, a lot of auctioneers have to have beer before they do it, but not me. Yeah. <laughs> not me. So it's, it's, you're, you're, you're speaking there, you know, the, the, the different pieces of that you're learning the auction chant, right? It's a conversation between myself and the audience. And it's a, it's a statement, it's a suggestion, and it's an ask. I have $2,000 bid. Would you give me 2,500? Give me 2,500. And that's what you're doing. You're, it's a conversation with you and this bidder. This is going to, I'm going to look at this. It's so different from now yeah. on. So that's why I'm not just looking at, I'm talking to everybody, but I'm talking to you. Yeah. You know, if you're the person that's out, like, you know, and, and, and when you have a thousand people or 500 people or two people at an auction, you know, and, and that's why we have, you know, the ringmen are out there and stuff. But ultimately, it's a very intimate conversation with me and the people yeah, I mean, that are bidding on that about item. 15, 20, Thirty fifty thousand dollars. Five point eight million dollars. Yeah. I sold a, a piece of property for one time. Five point wow. eight, right, right Is south that your of largest? us. That's my largest personally. Okay. There's been some pretty big ones out there, but yeah. personally, with me on the microphone, and I've stood in front, you know, and kind of worked on some, some, uh, you know, fifteen and twenty million dollar deals. But my personal one is five point eight million. You know, started out at like, and it was a basically like an FDIC auction. So you start it low, and yeah. it, you know, you grind. You don't. It wasn't. Just, you know, sometimes you can. You know. I've been doing a real estate auction and you kind of walk around, talk to the crowd like, hey, you want to start this thing? What do you want to start it at? I'll start it at 500,000. Okay. You know, 500,000 now, 600, 550, 510, 505. No, sold. You know, and that's, and that's it. I mean, that's a bidding strategy, right? To just, to try to knock out, to chill the room, if you will. Yeah. So you got to navigate those things. But ultimately the auctioneer's chant is an intimate conversation between you and the interested parties and that, whether that's a piece of real estate, whether that's, you know, this, you know, benefit that we're raising money for a great cause and you're having to sell the mission, you know, but I'm having to, I'm having to create a relationship with everybody in that room immediately. Yeah, I'm having to sell them on that mission immediately. I have to get them bought into that mission immediately. And I have to ask them for their money immediately. So this is, you know, when you're talking about sales and, and some of the people you probably have on this podcast where you're like, hey, I'm going to I'm going to cultivate this. I'm going to have this yeah. one year long 
you know, oil and gas type cell that's putting this together and you have all these things and these dinners and these meetings and this and that, and I have nothing and I am cold. And while you mentioned in Brian College Station, sure, I think everybody, you know, I, I see people all the time. And every time I get out of the gas station, you know, Kenny Lawson is like, oh, here comes Brett. Watch your wallets, you know. Um, but, you know, I have one next Wednesday night in downtown Houston with a thousand people and three of them know me. Yeah. So I and I have to achieve the same results, you know, in that time frame, I have to get them on my side. So is it more fun for you to do something like down in Houston or what, what I love is just the entertainment of you, you know, people and you, you, you sit jokes and I mean, that, that's the best part it, is like when you send zingers across to, to get them to bid. It, it, it's a lot of fun and you have to, and that's a very important piece too, Greg, you have to understand who, you know, when you're in these rooms, you got to know who you can kind of pick on a little bit and who you can't, because I've seen it go very, very wrong, you know, and, and you have to have a unique way of, you know, subtle kind of joking, you know, or this or knowing them a little bit and people's like, Oh, you just know everybody. But I didn't know the first time, the yeah. first time I didn't, and you saw me in the room at Brazos Valley Cares, and I didn't know that many people. That was when I was first getting started in town. I don't care. I'm still going to throw zingers out there. If they don't work, I'll try another one. You know, <laughs> I'm going to go out there next Wednesday night. There's a 100% chance it's in downtown Houston. There's a 100% chance I'm going to make a Rangers joke. <laughs> you know, 100% chance. I did one on, on Sunday for these same kind of benefactors that are just very, very involved. And if they're involved, they do a lot of good for Houston and they're kind of a client of mine, friends of mine. And they're, if they're involved, I'm involved, right? He calls yep. and says, Hey, um, I'm going to sponsor the auctioneer, but here's the auctioneer, you know, and yep. that's, and that's kind of how he approaches it. And so and it was their little church picnic. Can you come? Sell? And that's it. I mean, they'll put me in a room full of a thousand people, but when they ask me to sell their church picnic, I'm doing that as well because they are good people and they do a lot of good things. Yep. And this is a relationship game, right? This is something that not only do I want to do it, I want to do it because I know what good they do and let's, let's do all the good that we can. Well, it's, you know, it was right there and everybody had their Astros game. It was going to be game six, you know, and I know this is time stamped or whatever, but we're talking world series 2023 here, but it was going to be game six. And I had, I didn't wear any Ranger stuff, but I, <laughs> the last thing I said was go Rangers. And I got out and they booed me off of the, at, a, at a Catholic church picnic. I was booed off the stage. Literally. I was the only Rangers fan there, but it's, it's an interesting business. That's funny. So, you know, bringing this kind of back to A&M, is there anything that you learned at A&M that has helped you on your entrepreneurial journey specifically? The other education. Yeah, it, it's it's networking. It is being a part of something that is bigger than yourself. That is the that is the one thing that I tell every single person that asks me. It's not it's not what I learned in those classrooms because I don't hardly remember any of that stuff. It's what I learned at the Dixie Chicken. It's what I learned, you know, being on the rodeo team and, and competing on that rodeo team. It's what I learned in the in the group projects in the evenings. The people that I can still call to this day. You know, I, I served on. I was asked by Corey Rosenbush. I think people that watch this are going to know who Corey Rosenbush is. He was a a state FFA president, national FFA president. And then when we got here, he was a couple years ahead of me. So I was like a freshman and he was, was but we had a lot of classes together because he had to basically start over when you're, when you're national president back in those days, you know, it's two years, you're not going to college because he was the state president traveling to all the stuff. Then he was national traveling everywhere. So basically we were both freshmen. And as he kind of worked his way through what he was doing. He ran for student body president and he asked me to be on his campaign and and do that. And there's four or five people on Facebook now that I know because, because of his campaign, he's in Washington, DC making policy, right? So you can, you know, you can call and, and, and rely on him, but networking 
is the single most important thing that I learned at Texas A&M. It wasn't anything that was taught. You know, it was just something that I inherently knew what to do. But that other education is so important. And I, and I think that's what my biggest takeaway from A&M and from anywhere was, is you've got to get outside of your comfort zone. You've got to meet people that have different opinions than you do because you never know when you're going to need to talk to somebody that doesn't have the same idea that you do. You know, that's important. It's very important. And it's okay to disagree with someone. You know, these are the things I think that I, that I learned, you know, but at the end of the day with those group projects, we had one item to turn in and my two business partners today, when we have disagreements, we have one decision to make. Yeah. And so when yeah. we walk out of that room, it's one decision, uh-huh. right? Yeah. So it's, and then we have to all, you know, if it's two to three, three to one, three, oh, you know, oh, three, when something we don't want a decision, but we all are in agreement that we have to make it, you know, you have to, you have to work together to find that and, and have that one thing. And I think that's what I learned is teamwork, camaraderie, networking. Yeah. To, to, to be able to work through any problems because entrepreneurship is not no, it's not smooth sailing. It's not everybody's got the answers and your cash always comes in on time. Cool. It goes out exactly how much and when you want it. You got to fight and you got to, you got to figure it out. Yeah. So as, as you talk through your whole kind of entrepreneurial journey, you know, I, I was thinking, you know, you got into this business and then you really got heavy in this business in a really stressed economic time during the 2008, 2009 right. housing crisis. We've had really good economic stability since then. A lot of good growth. Right now, there's some uncertainty right now. Mm -hmm. So what's the biggest challenge that you and your business partners are facing right now? And how are you guys agreeing to overcome it? Adjusting to the the changing market. I mean, there's no offense about it. On the real estate side and the auction side, you know, and, and, and you know, there's a little bit of kind of the old adage in the auction business is is there's always kind of there's always kind of money in the switch, right? So it, it's always going up or down. You know, with anything, you guys know this. If a company's not growing, it's dying. I mean, there's no there's no a town, same thing, anything like that. You're either up or down. There's no just flat, right? So you have to navigate that. And I think I watched that when I was with Hudson and Marshall, and, and I bring a lot of that to the table, right? Because my two business partners come from different. You know, Tom comes from. You know, he he kind of went through the financial route. He's a you know, he's a sales guy. He was met life selling insurance, beating on every door, asking everybody. You can't tell him no, kind of thing. You know, David's a very left brain. Very you know, he's got his hand on the money. You know, I'm the guy that just kind of gets the right people in the room and see how it shakes out. I mean, we all have our we all have our role. And right now, we're we're concentrating on how to adjust to the changing market. Not only the changing real estate market that has been, you know, like that yodelay 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 guy on on the prices, right? <laughs> and I think everybody's just waiting for him to go. And and I don't think it's going to do that. It's definitely not going to do that in Texas, in my opinion. But and not here. I mean, we, no, we've no, got a bubble here. No, this is the the Aggie the Aggie Dome is real real real. It's not just the weather, right? Yep. Um, but previously, you know, I went from the company at, at Hudson and Marshall, and, and which is why they asked me to do entrepreneurial type stuff back then too, because I was employee number eleven, right? And I was the auctioneer. I was the auctioneer, and I was the, the guy that that wasn't a family member of the original Hudson and Marshall. And so here's this new guy in the first outside the family kind of hire. And he's, he's 22 years old, came really rent a car yet, you know, moved from college station to Dallas. And it's like, I'll just do anything, man, whatever. And so got a lot of licenses. I, I told them all the time. It's like Bobby Boucher. I was the only one that could pass all the tests. <laughs> um, so they, they got me all these licenses. And, and my point is, is I was employee number 11 and we got to like 165, right? Because in the financial crisis, it went crazy. We had Oh, we got, you know, an auctioneer. We're going to go sell 10 houses in Pennsylvania, bring the contracts back, process them. Next week, we'll go to 
you know, Georgia and do the same thing. And actually the, you know, we had a Texas office and a Georgia office, but we went from, you know, having a meeting with everybody in the room to being on several different floors. And, you know, there were challenges there from an entrepreneurial standpoint of, Hey, not only are you, maybe you're not so much in title, but we're all in this together and you just kind of rise up the ranks. Right. And you have the the decision to, uh, you have the decisions that you have to make on the road, on the fly, and, and, and that sort of thing. So I think what we're doing now is that was up same for our business, you know, real estate's been up. Everybody wants to get in the real estate business. Do you want to take this agent? Do you want, you know, can we do that? And now we have challenges of, we don't think there's going to be as much real estate sold next year, next year. You know, how do we, how do we make sure that we're still at the forefront of our marketing, right? Because it's not just sticking a sign in the yard and putting yeah. it in, in MLS and, and rolling on. We're going to have to go find the buyer now, just like we used to in 2018 and 2019. And that, that's going to shake a lot of the people who don't know, don't have that customer focused approach out. It will. And I think anything... You know, we're some of our higher end, you know, subdivisions here in College Station. You know, if you look back at 2017, 2018, 2019, a lot of listings that were were on the market in Traditions and Indian Lakes and Miramont and that sort of thing. And then perfect example, I bought, we bought our house that I live in now in 2019 and there was 17 houses on the market in Indian Lakes. And then you get to, you get to 20. 20 and the onset of COVID, those are larger lots. Those are south of town. Those are commuting from Houston. What changed from Houston? You're not having to go to work every day. You're working from home and maybe you're working two or three days. So, you know, what's the most desirable place to be? South College Station. You, It was a knife fight down there for two years. Anytime you put one on the market and if anybody even stepped outside, it's like the algorithm on Facebook, right? If you even thought about selling your house and then you like six people would call you and go, is your house for sale? You know, um, and so it's, you know, then you have to navigate how to, to find the, the one that's going to close and that sort of stuff. And now we're back to a little bit of inventory, still a healthy market yeah. for anybody watching in college station. I mean, a healthy market is three to six months. We're still back of that. We're still a little bit short really, but we are now navigating that we are now navigating 8% interest rates. You know, we are now navigating, you know, these sort of things where, you know, it was cash offers, no, no inspections. Who cares? I just want to buy the house today type offers. To now, it's FHA is back in play. We need to get this. Oh, the inspection's 10 days. Uh, we want this or we're not buying it. I recently had a deal that was under contract. We had under contract, negotiated some you know larger kind of a, a investment property in town. Two years ago, it was under contract done. No problem. We we'll, had some work needed to be done and kind of negotiated that. Eh, don't really want to do that. Okay. Well, we'll look for something else. There's a lot of inventory right now. Two months later, we go back and we get the house bought for 25 grand less, you know, because there's not as many people yep. lined up, yep. you know, doing things. So you just have to understand, you have to understand your marketplace. You have to understand changes. And I think, you know, to, you know, to kind of land the plane, what we're doing right now is how do we adapt? How do we adapt to the market changes in our business? How do we adapt to the way that our business is done? Because there's a lot of technology that's coming to play now. There's a lot of online brokerage that's coming to play now on the real estate side and auctions. I have a great story about technology. If you want to hear that yeah. um, as far as like a website goes, but I, I think that's what we have to do. You just have to adapt to change. It's always changing. You're always growing and you, you, you yeah. cannot wait to react. You have to kind of be proactive and that's what we're trying to do right now. So what's your vision with Coleman Patterson, right? Is it, what is your big, hairy, audacious goal? We talk about that here on Aggie Growth Hacks all the time. You know, what is your five to 10 year, mm -hmm. 10 to 20 year moonshot? We are a company that that seeks out opportunity to to grow, right? We are wanting to be a provider for auction services, for real estate services, you know, as as long as we can. We wanted to, 
you know, at one point in time, we thought we would kind of get so big, maybe we franchise. And then we think maybe that's not what we want to do. Maybe we want to kind of go back to the boutique of where we're at now. We actually now have two auction facilities, one in Bryan that's an auction yard, right? And we have one in Gonzales, Texas, that's an auction yard that you can do consignment auctions and bring it that way. We are now seeing a lot of, of, uh, of real estate being traded at auction again. If you get to, if you get north of the Red River, a lot of farmland is, is traded, you know, at auction. And that's what we want to do. We want to be the the resource here in the state of Texas and beyond for farmers and ranchers to be a one-stop shop, right? So as they retire, as they, you know, I'm not saying we want to turn farmland into subdivisions. That's not, let's not, let's be clear about that. Right. But we want to make sure that we provide a, a service, a trusted service for people that are um, looking to retire, to downsize, and I think that's what we're going to see in the marketplace for the next five or 10 years. You're going to have a lot of baby boomers that, you know, have, have these farms, have these ranchettes, have these items, the homes in t- bigger, bigger stuff that the kids don't want because they've moved on to Dallas or, or where have you, and they're not coming back to the ranch. So what do you do with these assets, right? You have tractors and trucks and trailers. And I spoke to someone just a minute ago that's downsizing the rock quarry. And, you know, so how do we transition you know, from one generation to the next as we have more doctors and lawyers and online workers and less people on the farm. And I think we want to be, we want to be a one-stop shop and resource for them to know, you know, I don't have to call this person to handle real estate. We don't have to call this person to handle our farm and ranch assets. I don't have to call this person to handle my investments. We want to, we want to have, be that firm that you can call and say, here's the keys. Let me know how it works out. You know, do the best you can and, and, and let's, let's graciously transition them out of, of that farm and ranch. I think that's what we're looking to do. I think that that, that brings it home, Brett. I mean, to, to be able to provide that service and to be able to do it with dignity and honor to be like, look, you have amassed mm-hmm. this amazing asset assets over your mm-hmm. lifetime. And you've poured your blood, sweat, tears, love into this. And we're going to help, mm-hmm. help you get the fair, fair market value for that better. If you, talk fast enough. Right. It, it, but then be able to say, how can we help you? So that that's, that's entrepreneurship one-on-one it, provide it, value. It is. And, and, and to answer your question specifically, I think it's to change a little bit of the idea of what an auction is on a piece of real estate. You know, I think, you know, part of what I did was sell foreclosed assets. And, you know, if you think about the RTC days and, and, you know, from the eighties, which is before me, obviously, but I've heard a lot about it. Uh, my banker now, Nora at first financial, she used to be heavily involved in the RTC. And whenever I told, uh, it's Nora Thompson, I told her, she goes, what are you going to do, Brett? I, I rodeoed with her son at A&M. She goes, what are you going to do? I was like, I just, got a job with Hudson and Marshall. And uh, this was, you know, 20 years yeah. ago. And she goes, I used to do business with them when I was working for the RTC. And, you know, is it, is it still yeah. that? I'm like, yeah, but a little bit different. And I think a lot of people think of auctions and especially real estate auctions as fire sales and they're not, you know, that's, that's oh, something no. that we need to, that we need to continue to push on and, and educate saying, okay, a multi-parcel auction is an opportunity to not subdivide per se, but if it's a thousand dollar ranch, that has got a lot of road frontage, not a lot of thousand dollar ranch buyers anymore. I mean, a thousand acre ranch buyers anymore. So is it the hundred acres and how do we do that? And we can do that with all within the auction system, the auction method of marketing to where it makes the most sense for buyers and sellers. And it's not a fire sale. We we want to encourage the the positivity of, of, of using that and a lot of psychology in the auction business, right? We are, you know, the D's, we call them the death, the divorce, the, you know, I, I say dismemberment, but it's when, disso- you know, dissolving yep. partnerships and that sort yep. of thing. But that's, you, you get a lot of that, but even in our, even in our death and our estate auctions, and, and then when we come in there and the family is so overwhelmed of like, you know, hey, I left the ranch 20 years ago. I don't even know. And what's happening is, is they get the letter in the mail. Hey, I'll buy your ranch. Uh, they get the 
phone call or they get six, you know, real estate agents or whatever that just call immediately. And instead of looking at the whole picture 360, they might make that decision. I just want to just handle it. You get a lot of that. Just handle it. Just, just, I just take care of it. Right. Well, if you don't, if you aren't aligned with the correct person with the right morals and goals, then that could go very south very quickly. And we want to manage that process a little bit. And, And when it's a a situation like that, we want to celebrate that person's life, right? We're, you know, these are all their assets, but it's nice stuff. You know, he did a lot for the community. We're not giving this stuff away. We want to come have this celebration of life at this auction if you want to, per se. So it's, it's, it's just a real, it's an odd business. It's an odd business with a lot of opportunities. So you have to be really, really careful uh, of who you work with uh, in, in either of our, any of our businesses that you, you pick someone that at the end of the day is trying to do the right thing. Always do the right thing for, for the family, for the asset, for the buyer, for the marketplace, right. you know, for the marketplace is a big one. And, and that's what we're going to focus on. Well, Brett, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and being here with us before we roll into the lightning round. Let's pause a moment for a message from this episode sponsor. Okay, we're back. All right. So we are Aggie Growth Hacks. Okay. So what is your favorite personal hack? And you got 30 seconds to answer. My favorite personal hack is is just having a network of people that I can call. I think it's mentorship, yep. man. I, if you you have to surround yourself, and before you make any decision, you got to look at it 360. You know, hey, all right, what happens if this? I had a mentor one time that, you know, he always told me, uh, you have to make a decision with the best information you have at the time, you know, and then you have to live with that decision. And I think part of that is making sure that you lean on, you know, your team, your network to say, all right, I'm, I'm about to make a pretty big decision. You know, what do you, you know, let's look at this thing together and ask. And I think that's mine. I, you know, I just like to make sure that, that we vet it and run it by. And, you know, once you make it, it's made. And yep. so that's my hack, I think. Awesome. Love it. So what's your favorite business hack? I'm trying to think how to even approach that question. <laughs> look for opportunity, you know, I mean, look for opportunity, even though if it's not, in your comfort zone, you know, we've, we've gotten into some businesses that probably didn't seek out to do that. And, you know, one particular business, we say, yeah, we, we're interested in doing that. And then trying to get the financing behind it, call our, our banker and she says, well, what about this one? So we ended up with two of the same yeah. business, you know, in the, in the same, you know, three month period. So I think look for opportunity is, is the business hack and, and always be looking. Brett, what's the best bit of advice you've been given and 2001 Aggie points if you can tell us how you applied it. Just be present. I think is is the best one is is be present. I think when I was growing up in the in the auction business, uh before family, before kids, you know, I just I poured myself into that portion of the business. I you know, we weren't even entertaining having kids because it wasn't feasible for that portion of my life. I needed to be present when I was building my career. And then whenever that changed to say, okay, we've kind of got this where we think we want it, you know, we plan it out a little bit. Okay. Now let's start the family. Right. So, so now I have to make sure that, that Brett during the day, that Brett that does two car auctions a week, when I'm doing do my car auctions in Houston, I'm present for that person. I work for my seller that day. I'm present for him. But when I get home and it's time to coach little league and it's time to coach basketball and go watch my daughter at volleyball, I need to be present. And I think that I need to focus on, on being a dad because that's probably the, the biggest and best job that I have. So be present. 
Absolutely. And I I 100% agree with that. So Brett, how can the Aggie Growth Hack Network get in touch with you and support you moving forward? Yeah, uh, they can follow. um, Obviously, we're on Facebook everywhere. Uh, Coleman and Patterson Auctioneers has its page. Uh, We have uh, Coleman and Patterson has a page. Brett Richards Coleman uh, Patterson has a page. You give me a call, 214-435-5050. I'm all booked up on auctions, so don't be (laughs) (laughs) called. I tell Greg all the time, Greg, I'm going to tell everybody. I was like, no, no, no. That's fine. No, it's no, a, it's, a, it's okay. okay. <laughs> we're we're uh, we're good. I enjoy doing them. Love doing them. And we're gonna we're gonna be present every time we do one. But but the old schedule uh, right now in this chapter of life with an eleven and an eight year old is uh, we're focused on that. We got a big volleyball match on Sunday. But uh, yeah, you can follow us at Coleman or Patterson pretty much anywhere. Instagram show enough show enough underscore b. That's me on Instagram. <laughs> but it's mostly for personal stuff. So I try to keep that stuff separate, man. Well, Brett, thank you again so much for sharing your wisdom. Thank you for making our communities and the people that you serve better. And um, best of luck to you and your partners. Yeah, thank you, guys. And I, I'd like to come back with you know get their opinion on this you know one time as well. So this may, this was a good little uh, good little segue and maybe having the three of us part, on part one, part one, part two coming to you soon. Part two, Gus Gus heads north <laughs> on, the, on the next mini series. Yeah, Gus, Gus heads north. All right, guys, thank y'all. Thank you. Well, how about that, Eggs? Was that pretty awesome or what? I know that I took a lot away from Brett as he talked about uh, his business. What were your biggest take- Takeaways there, Craig. Well, my first biggest takeaway is that I don't have the tongue dexterity in order to actually be an auctioneer. You know, some of those tongue twisters. I was telling Sarah and Grayson about it afterwards, and it's like I was messing them all up. So I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with you know financial CFO stuff and let Brett do the auctioneer auctioneering. But my real takeaway was that I, I loved how Brett sees customer value and how he really approaches that in the different facets of his business businesses and really to be able to have so much empathy and to really dig in to say, okay, what is most important to this customer? You know, what's the dominant buying motive, you know, to use a a, a sales jargon, but really to be able to say, how does this customer need value and how can we connect what we're selling, whether that be real estate or an auction item at a charity event to make sure that that value, that value is communicated to the customer. That's a skill that I think more entrepreneurs need to hone a little bit better because if we do that, then the stress of quote unquote selling goes away because you're not selling, you're just simply providing value. What about you? Well, I 100% agree with you, but you know, I, I have to go with the, the best advice that he was given, right? And that was be present. I think that is so important for us entrepreneurs to be able to leave work at work, you know, and to when we when we're at home, when we're with our families to be present there and when we're at work, let's be present there, right? And not having things cross over and it's really really hard as an entrepreneur for that to happen, right? And especially if you're working out of your home or you're a solopreneur, you know that a lot of times things bleed into our lives, but it is just so important to give our presence which which honestly is our greatest gift that we could possibly give to our family right give our presence to them and be fully present so I, that was my biggest takeaway there and chris this strikes home for me more now than it did 7 months ago you are you are spot on and and it was really great to hear how Brett challenged himself and really said, this is, this is important and I'm going to make the most important thing, the most important thing. So great, great, great conversation. 
Ags, that's going to wrap it up for this episode of Aggie Growth Hacks. So we hope that you enjoyed it. Uh, we hope that you learned something. If you're not connected with Brett and his team at Coleman and Patterson or his, uh, his other companies, make sure you do that. Uh, if you're not connected with Aggie Growth Hacks and Chris and I on, on social media, make sure you reach out to, to us. We'd love to connect with you. We'd love to, to learn your story and, and maybe have you on a future episode. And while you're at it, before you shut off this podcast, hit hit a thumbs up and a like and share Aggie Growth Hacks so that we can get this, this podcast and this message out to more Aggie entrepreneurs. We want to give a huge shout out to our sponsor, the McFerrin Center for Entrepreneurship at Texas A&M University. Since 1999, the McFerrin Center for Entrepreneurship has served as the hub of entrepreneurship at Texas A&M. If you're an Aggie entrepreneur or even a wantrepreneur, head over to their website right now to find a program that's right for you. Just go to aggiegrowthhacks.com forward slash McFerrin right now. Well, Ags, join us next time when we connect with another great Aggie entrepreneur and learn how they hack their growth. Until then, I'm Chris Hunter. And I'm Greg Martin. Thanks and gig em.